Boom. Good morning. Good morning. On today's podcast, I've got special guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. Oak is a nationally recognized keynote speaker and the author of the 2021 release, Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming a Leader You Were Meant to Be. Both his leadership presentation and his book are based on his 40-plus years of leadership experience, 23 years as a combat arms officer in the United States Army. Oak highlights principles that will benefit today's leaders and inspire the leaders of tomorrow in any profession or at any level of leadership. Have a listen. Welcome to your Hidden Edge podcast, where there's a belief that each and every one of us has a hidden edge, one that could unlock that next level of success in any area of life. Unfortunately, that edge is hidden, tucked away and buried deep underneath layers and layers. In this podcast, we'll uncover the hidden edge of high-performance leaders, executives, athletes, coaches, and authors to open your mind and stretch your frame of reality. If you know you want more, can do more, and be more, then this is the right podcast for you. Let's uncover your hidden edge. Welcome to the show. I am extremely excited to have special guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough on the show. Oak, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm so excited to... uh, to dive into your hidden edge, I think it's so relevant in the time we are in the world, society. And so I, I would ask, can you share your hidden edge with the audience and then dive a little bit deeper? What does it mean to you? And then we'll unpack it with some questions. Yeah. So I think uh, for me, it's uh, servant leadership. That's what I grew up with. I had uh, some great servant leaders, uh, both in high school and throughout my time in the army. And so for me, Servant leadership is very simple. I, I tell all these young men and women that I help commission here and everybody that I talk to, ser- servant leadership means it's not about you, and yet it's all about you. It's not about you and what title you're going to get or the privileges you're going to get or that you're going to get more pay and live in a nicer house and drive a nicer car. Okay, leaders usually get those things, and that's okay as long as that's not why you want to be the leader. It is about you and how you treat the people that work for you and how you run your organization, because that's what it's all about. Leadership is about people. And for me, like I said, I've been lucky. I've had some good servant leaders. I've had some that weren't servant leaders that weren't good leaders, but I've I've had some good servant leaders who have taught me those lessons. Gotcha. And I I appreciate you sharing sharing a little bit of a definition. So let's go back to you, you mentioned high school in the army. What were some examples of fantastic servant leaders that maybe mentored you, you took pieces from? What, what were some examples? And can you share some specific things that, that they've done so that frames up to the audience? Hey, here's an, ex- here's an example of what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So I had two great uh, mentors in high school that I still stay in contact with. Um, one of them was my basketball coach, Coach Terry Nidzwicki, who... Uh, who understood that it was about people. He understood his job was to develop a, a basketball team and win basketball games. Okay, that's that's okay. But he understood more important than that, that it was about creating good young men, good citizens that were going to grow up and leave high school and be a productive member of society and be good people in, in the world. And he, he really did 
take a, a make a lot of effort to to make sure that we we understood our, the greater part of what we were going to be as we left high school. And the other one was uh, was uh, Mr. Schindler, uh, Ch Ch Chuck Schindler, who I still stay in contact with. He was my history instructor, which is the reason I majored in history in college. Uh, he did such a great job, and I I loved being in his class. And the same thing, he he understood that it wasn't just about him teaching us history. It was about teaching us how to be good young men and women and, and what that meant and what that looked like. And both of them set the example for us um, all the time. I, I, I remember it growing up well that you could always see them doing the right thing, um, even if it wasn't the, in their best interest to do the right thing. They still did the right thing. And then it, throughout my time in the Army, I had a couple who really stuck uh, stick out for me. One was uh, Major Martz, who retired a lieutenant general, uh, so Lieutenant General Martz. And I'll give you a story. I, I, before him, when he, I was a senior first lieutenant. Okay. I was working on the S3 staff, uh, the plans and operations. So we wrote all the plans and everything that was going to happen. We wrote the plan so everybody knew what we were all going to do. Mm -hmm. And before he came, we had an S3 that was one of those guys was not a servant leader. He was one of those guys that if I'm in the office, you're in the office. Gotcha. And he wasn't married. So he was in the office quite often till six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And he expected all of us to be there. And so, you know, we're all in there just doing busy work or doing work that really didn't have to be done anytime soon. And so you can imagine what the morale in that that office was. So the first day Major March came and took over as the S3, the operations officer, we're all sitting there and we're at five o'clock, we're all in our offices and we're, you know, I'm doing an op order that isn't due for another week or two. Okay. And he walks in and he, he sticks his head around the corner at five o'clock and he says, Oh, what are you doing? And I said, sir, I'm writing this op order. He said, is it due tomorrow morning? And I said, no, sir. He said, then go home. I said, okay, you have to do it twice. And I remember that. And when I was in S3, many years later as a major, mm -hmm. I remember the first day I called all my my troopers in, in the office together. And I said, look, just because I'm in the office doesn't mean you have to be in the office. There's going to be times when I need you to be here till eight o'clock at night. right? And if I tell you that, then I need you. But if I don't tell you that, then at five o'clock, go home and be with your family. Because there can be plenty of times when you don't get that opportunity, and so that that really stuck in my mind, and I always use that um, that just because I'm in the office doesn't mean you have to be. Yeah, I love that, and I love the story about your, uh, you know, your your basketball coach and and sharing not only. I think sports is a wonderful way to do this, right? It is. is. is Life lessons. I've coached Absolutely. youth sports for 20 plus years. My boys are now transitioned to now I need to be a spectator and, and, a, <laughs> and, and cheering on. It's a little bit difficult for me, but I'm a work in progress. Yeah. But when I coach their teams, delivering a message, I would always say, hey, this is going to teach you lessons that you can take into every aspect of your life, not just on the football field or the basketball court. And I love how, how your coach did that. That's so impactful. And we can see, right? You, you, you still remember it, and it, it's still incredibly, incredibly powerful for you. So your experience moving in and, and becoming a leader, 
I'd love to hear a couple of examples of things that you've done to really step forward in that servant leader role. Yeah. So I think a large part of that is that just taking care of the people that, that I'm in charge of, because it is a privilege to lead people and organizations and good leaders understand that it is a privilege. And so, you know, when, when I took over at uh, my army ROTC program, when I was a professor of military science running our army ROTC program, so we were commissioning leaders, not only for the army, but for the nation and for their family and everybody else, you know, because a leader is a leader. And, and when I took over the program, uh, there were 53 cadets in the program. When I left, there were 179. And one of the things that I really put an emphasis on was changing the culture of that organization in a, into a culture where it was about those cadets, those students. And, and so that the first day I took over, I, I called everybody together and I said, look, the only reason we are here and the only reason the army is paying us is to help these young men and women get through this program and move on to the next phase of their life as better leaders and better people to not only serve the army, but our great nation. Gotcha. So, you know, and, and so I, I kind of walked them through how we were going to do that. And one of the things that I told them was that they had no power to say no until they came and talked to me. If they okay. felt like they had to say no to somebody, if some if a cadet walked in and said, I need this, mm-hmm. you can't tell them no. Because we may have to tell them no, but we're going to go through all the options and all of the possibilities before we tell somebody no. Because we have to take care of that person. And I can think of many times when I would tell somebody would come to my office and they'd say, this cadet wants this and that's against the rules or against the regulations. And I would, we'd go through some things and they'd say, and we figured out it was still against the regulations. And I said, okay, I don't care. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I know, you, you know, you, you're all worried. I said, here's a letter that says I made you do it so that if it ever comes back, it's on me, not on you. But that's the right thing to do, whether the regulation says it's the right thing to do or not. And I always used to tell people, never let regulations and rules prevent you from doing what's the right thing, because those are guidelines. Right. I got it. You've you got to be careful and you got to not just break rules and regulations just because you want to. Right. But if it's for the right thing, it's okay to do that, in my opinion, as long as you're taking care of people. Well, I love that concept of not saying no until they talk to you, right? Because I'm sure that just created a different mindset in them. And then it was all about that culture and all about supporting the individuals that were in the program to getting to that, that next level. I, I love that, that example. You, you know, and I shared. actually got that from my wife. Okay. My, my wife was an army nurse. So she, okay. she was probably a better leader than I am. Um, and, uh, and she implemented that in her office one time. And I, I really, I said, okay, that, that makes perfect sense. It really does. And so I give her credit for, for teaching me that lesson. That's awesome. And I, I, kudos to you to having that growth mindset of being always like, how, how do I continue to learn? How do I continue to, to grab things and, and apply them as a leader, apply them in servant leadership? So, so important. So, Leadership in today's world. Yeah. What, what do you see 
as some challenges, issues that people are facing or that common mistakes that people make? And then what are some ways that they can transform that into truly taking that mindset, that mode of of servant leadership? Yeah, well, one of the problems I see is that we don't have a whole lot of servant leaders right now. And that's in every organization at every level and every profession. I see a lot of people who have forgotten that it's about selfless service. It's not about them. Um, and, and we got to do a better job of, of fixing that of coach, coaching, training, developing, mentoring young men and women to become better, uh, servant leaders, uh, cause we're not doing a good job. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book. And that's one of the reasons I'm out on the speaking circuit and doing podcasts is cause we got to get that message out. So I think some of, some of the mistakes that I see right in today's world, one is people are so because they're not servant leaders because they're in it for themselves they forget that it's not about them and they're so worried about getting to that next level getting that mm-hmm. next promotion that next pay raise that they become micromanagers because they don't want anything to go wrong okay and that's horrible uh, we've all worked for micromanagers right and we all that hate it it's yeah. you hate going to work in the morning right so so I think we got to do a better job of trusting our people to do what it is that we ask them to do. Now, there's some dangers to that because things are going to go wrong. Got it. Um, but I think some of the things you have to do if you want to be a true servant leader and you want to empower people to get things done is, number one, you got to train them to the standard you want them to to meet. OK, if you, if you don't train them to the stand, you're going to hold them to a standard. So if you don't train them to that standard, how can you hold them to that standard? Uh, and I don't I don't see a whole lot of training going on to to hold people to standards to the standard that you trained them to. Number two is that you have to empower them. And I had a boss one time who said, Oak, leadership is on a scale. He said, on this end, you got the micromanaging, authoritarian, do as I tell you mm-hmm. and only as I tell you. And nobody likes to work for that person. We all have. And then on the other end, you got Attila the Hun and chaos. Right. And he said, and you want to be as close to chaos as you feel comfortable getting. Okay. He said, and two reasons why. He said, number one, that's where you're going to use their creativity. You're going to use the people's creativity, their knowledge, their skills, their talents that may not be yours. You may not have those same skills, talents and abilities, but you're going to use theirs. He said, and then you have to give them the resources, the time, money, people, whatever it is they're going to need to get that job done. You got to give them the authority to do it because you can, as the leader, you can give away as much authority as you want. You can never give away responsibility. That's always yours. Your name's always on the blame line, but you can give away as much authority as you want and then get out of their way and let them do it. Will they do it the same way you would have done it? Maybe not. But as long as they give you what you asked for, who cares how they got there? Yeah, no, I I mean, I love the train them to the standards, right? Because you're going to hold them to standards. And I I think that not only applies to the corporate space or or the military, um, it applies to my my family. It applies to any relationship. If If you're not defining the standards or those expectations, there's little to no way that people can perform to it because 
they're not aware of it. How, right? how do they, they know what, what, what you want yeah. out of them? That, that's, yep. that's like, you know, I, I see it all the time. People will t- tell somebody what they want, but they don't really know what, what, what they need to do. They don't know your expectation of them because you haven't trained them, taught them, given them what you expect out of them. And that's unfair to the person that you're leading. They, they should know what the standard is that you're requiring from them. Yeah, so, so true. And if you, I, I would say, I would, I would further that point. If you see a little question in their body language or their mind, have the servant leadership mindset of to say, wait a second, Oak, I see, it looks like you got a question. Can, can, are you crystal clear on everything that I'm setting from Absolutely. the standard and the expectation? And so many times people are scared to do that. I don't know for what reason, um, but that's so important is to call out, Hey, I, I'm, I'm reading something. One, they're going to feel like you, you truly care about them That's because right. they're going to, they're going to understand you read their body language and you're intently listening, but then they're going to get crystal clear on, Hey, yeah, I had this question. All right. Now they got it. And it's almost like it's a, you know, the, the starting line of a race. Now they're ready to run and, 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 and crush it because they're clear on what you're telling them. Well, I think part of the problem is that we see that. And I see it all the time too, Jeff. I see it constantly that leaders don't understand their people okay? because leaders are so standoffish. And I, I tell everybody that I talk to every training I do, I give this piece of advice. I said, you, you got to know the people that you're leading and the, a good way to do that. There's a couple of good ways to do that. One is I tell them every day, go out and find out, pick up, pick one new person every day and find out one new thing about that person every single day. Different person every day, but find out one new thing about somebody in your organization every day. And not about work. I'm, I'm talking about personal stuff. Your, their spouse's name, their kid's name, what sports do their kids play in? Right. What are their hobbies? Something. And you'll see that trust just start to grow because now they, they realize that you really do care about them. The other, and one of the best ways to do that, I had a, a boss who told me one time, he said, Oak, I don't care how high up in an organization you get, never, ever, ever turn down a chance to go get your own cup of coffee. He said, you do two things when you do that. Number one, you show them that you're human just like they are, and you've got to go get your own cup of coffee. Nobody's right. going to bring it to you. And number two, if you're lucky, you got two or three different ways to get to the coffee pot and back to your office. And along the way, you stop and talk to people, not in your office, where they're working. Mm-hmm. He said, and again, that will start building the trust exponentially. No, I, I, I love that. And I, I always think like a leader's secret weapon is love, right? Like actually being emotionally invested in your people, caring about them. That's going to build your trust back to, to the point that you were you were just mentioning. So lost when we're one Many people now are working virtually or partially virtually. So there's that disconnection. There's not that opportunity, you said, where you can go to the, the, the coffee pot and maybe run into a couple of people where they're actually working and build those relationships. So it takes that extra effort that you mentioned, hey, learning something new, not business, but personally about somebody every day. Great little practice to get into to really develop bonds, develop trust. And, and that human connection, I feel like COVID, you know, crushed that because we're, we're so disconnected. Yeah. We're connected via 
via technology, but those, those conversations, those deep connections kind of got severed and, and now it takes work to bring them back. And a lot of people aren't working to do that. I agree. I agree. And, and it, it all comes down to trust. I mean, yeah. that's what allows the leader led relationship to work. If there's no trust, you might be the boss, but you're not the leader. And there is a huge difference. They have to trust you. And, and I, you know, I get asked that question quite a bit. So how do you mm -hmm. do it in this era of people not working in the office, whatever? And I, I, I say, then you got to use this technology that we have. Right. And you, you do, uh, maybe you do a few more team meetings where everybody's on there and they all have to have their camera on so everybody can see everybody. So we do realize there are, are other people working and right. a member of this organization. But then I think you also have to do some individual. You got and it comes back to what you said. You got to take, it, it's going to take effort. It takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes, but it's worth it. If, mm -hmm. if, if you really want to have a cohesive group, and you want people who realize they are a member of a team still, even if they're working from home, then you got to take that effort, make that effort to take the time to build that relationship, continue that relationship and doing one on one Zoom meetings or team meetings or whatever platform you use uh, is a good way to do that individually and as groups. And then on occasion, when you can bring them all together in person. Um, so that they do real, they can continue to build that those relationships a little bit better in person that you you've uh, kind of made made an effort to do online. Right, right. Now, I I always love to say, you never know what the battles somebody else is facing behind the scenes, and if you reach out, one voice message, one phone call, could change that person's life forever. You Absolutely. never know that impact that you can have. And so many times we discount the power, the positivity, the hope that we can bring to somebody else by just reaching out and, and asking how they're doing. Is there anything I can help you with? And, you know, that's, that's so incredibly important. So your leadership legacy, what's that to you and, and share a little bit about it to, to the audience. Yeah. I, I actually had somebody, I don't know, about three months ago, I was, uh, they saw my book. They hadn't read it, obviously. They they saw it and they saw the title and they they actually sent me a comment and said, You're you're you must be pretty egotistical if you're talking about your legacy. And I said, Obviously, you didn't read the book or you haven't heard me talk. Um, because it isn't about me. For me, my legacy is very simple. Well, I somebody asked me what how I wanted to be remembered. Right. Which is, which is your legacy. And I said, that's pretty simple for me. I want to be remembered by the other leaders I have produced. The leadership I've handed down to them, which then they will hand down to the, their next group of leaders who will then hand it down. So that long after I'm gone, servant leadership that I taught somebody is still going down the line and being taught. And to me, that really came clear to me. I always understood that, but it really came crystal clear to me when I had a, a gentleman that was working for me, Master Sergeant David Powell. And I say he was working for me. He was a better leader than I was probably and still is. I still stay in contact with him. And we were we were running the ROTC program. I was running it. He was working for me. He was my senior NCO. 
And one day we were talking about the importance of what we were doing, producing the next generation of leaders for the army and for the country. And he said to me, he said, you know, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a powerful quote. I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. Mass Sergeant David Powell said it. It hangs on my wall and it has ever since he said it. Um, but the most important, most powerful part of that quote is that you can take that word nations and you can substitute it for anything you want. Company, organization, sports team, hospital, food bank, university, whatever. It doesn't matter because every organization needs good leadership. And that's really what I want my legacy to be, that I helped produce the future generation of leaders and they helped produce the next generation so that the next generation has the same opportunities I had growing up when I grew up. No, I, I love that powerful, powerful message that that he shared and, and powerful message to end on. So, Oak, I've loved the love the conversation. Where can uh, where can people look you up? Where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on uh, all the social media. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, not too many Oakland McCulloughs out there. So I think you can find me on there pretty simple. And I have a website, um, ltcoakmccullough.com, that has, uh, you know, the different presentations I give. It has a link to my book if you're interested in buying the book. Um and it just has some some other things on there, some of my favorite quotes and and uh, some articles that I wrote, those kinds of things. So I, you can find me on any of those things. My website has my cell phone number and my email. Uh, have, always happy to connect with people, whoever wants to. Love it. And I'll uh, I'll link those up in the uh, in the show notes. Oak, fantastic conversation. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. You got it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Create a legendary day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to your Hidden Edge podcast. You are now part of the movement, part of a tribe who's on a mission to uncover their hidden edge. We are stronger together, so please share this. Show up with one person in your network that you want to help. Together, we can empower others, and connected, we can make a dent in the universe.